You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right. It's the Locked On NFL Podcast. Your boy Q, Bo Brock. That's me. Give us a follow on Twitter at Bob Brack at your boy Q254. And of course, follow the podcast at Locked On NFL Pods. So much to get into. We had an NFC West showdown on Thursday Night Football, and the Seahawks took back what they lost just days ago. We had a showdown of some great quarterbacks, one, a polished veteran, the other, a second-year sensation. We'll get into all of that, plus Chad Millman, the Action Network, the Favorites podcast. He's going to spruce up some pretty crappy games as far as throwing <laughs> some money down, Q. He's going to take some bad games. He's going to take some pigs, and he's going to put some lipstick on it, hopefully make them more entertaining for us by putting some action on those games. How you doing, Q? Man, I'm good. I'm good. Coming off this uh, Thursday night football game, Seahawks and Cardinals, and I know that uh, you were paying extra close attention to that Cardinal game, uh, but man, oh man, uh, what a game Thursday night. Uh, a lot of times it's kind of hit or miss on a Thursday, but uh, this was definitely not a miss. In my opinion, this was a big hit. Yeah, absolutely, and it's the second straight week that we have a divisional showdown with playoff implications, implications as far as how the division's going to go and I've got my thoughts because I think I think the Seahawks are a shoo-in for the NFC West title now after last night's victory. Yeah, no, I think they are too. They're obviously in the driver's seat. But, you know, before we even really dive into the game, something I wanted to ask you and get your opinion on because I feel pretty strongly about this. I feel like the NFC West is going to be good for a, quite a while, man. I mean, if, if as long as Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury can keep doing what they're doing offensively and it doesn't get caught up too similar to what, like, what's going on in Baltimore, I really look up and down that NFC West and think, man, this is going to be a damn good division for quite a while. I completely agree. Seahawks, Cardinals back after a couple tough seasons. The Rams, and then I think the Niners can absolutely rebound once they start to get healthier. One thing's for sure, this season will be different. And Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. I was watching last night that trusty blue can, some chips, some guacamole. It's dialed in. I had Thursday Night Football on the TV. Pepsi. It was the freshman that I needed to power through game day, and you need to power through game day to become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's for made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. But the Seahawks' defense, Q, was the one that it finally showed up a bit on Thursday night and their win over the Arizona Cardinals. That's your locked-on NFL lead story. It was the walk-off sack, Carlos Dunlap taking down Kyler Murray in the final seconds and sealing that 28-21 victory for Seattle. It was the third sack of Murray uh, in the contest. Seattle also slowed down the Cardinals' NFL leading rushing attack to just 57 yards on the ground. That was a big. Uh, that was a that was big for this defense that uh, has been just. They're going to set records as far as passing yards, but they were able to slow down this this potent rushing attack. You, yeah, that was a big deal, man. Bo, that's that's where it, it really, you know, that's how they they got it done, man. Their their defense has been horrific all season long, and for them to show up on on this Thursday night and and play against a uh, the way they did against the Cardinals and Kyler Murray and like you said that uh, high explosive uh, running attack. I mean, that, that was impressive again because. 
I've had my doubts, and I, I continue to to pick the Seahawks to win games because I, I believe in Russ. But I'll tell you, as I picked the Seahawks to win this game on Thursday night, I still had my doubts because of that suspect defense. But uh, you're right, man. They showed up in a major way. It's so funny. Carlos Dunlap gets that sack at the end. He was the guy that I, I dogged multiple times, even after the Seahawks <laughs> made that move for him. I'm like, man, come on. This dude ain't done nothing. And, well, I don't know what, they, what he's going to do throughout the course of the season, but still came up with a big play when they needed it to when they needed a, a big play so uh yeah man it, it was about time to see that Seattle D- defense start to turn the corner and start to actually look like well uh, what we're used to seeing uh but still just a good all-around game uh by, by the Seahawks and the Cardinals I uh, really really enjoyed what I saw Thursday night yeah and it seemed like Russell Wilson maybe even turned the clock back to 2019 he's had a spectacular year right 28 mm-hmm. touchdowns going into this contest but he's he was kind of caught by the turnover bug yeah he had nine turnovers in the last, what, four weeks, including seven interceptions. He took care of the football. There were a couple fumbles that hit the turf, but he was able to recover them. He was efficient, passing 23 for 28, 197 yards, two touchdowns, one to Tyler Lockett, one to DK Metcalf. Huh. Right before the half, DK Metcalf nearly had a second touchdown, but he wore one right in the face mask. You were like, okay, is this going to show up later in the game? That Metcalf couldn't haul that one in. He took it off the grill instead. It didn't turn out to be the difference in this one. Carlos Side was a difference maker running the football, 79 yards and a score. Uh, you know, I just felt like I saw a little bit more 2019 Seahawks instead of this, you know, high flying Seahawks offense that we saw when they started 5 and 0 this season. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, and you're right about Russ, man. He had hit a lull where he was just turning the ball over and turning the ball over. And I kept thinking, like, what in the world's going on with him? Because when he started the season, man, he was on fire. He was the lead dog when it came to the MVP race. And then he just kind of fell off and, and dropped back to, like, fourth or fifth. Uh, he, he had a really good game Thursday night, efficient game. Uh, like you said, didn't have the turnover bug, even though there was opportunities. It just didn't happen like that. And I'll, I'll tell you, man, when they grabbed Tyler Lockett, when they drafted him out of K-State, they drafted him to be a, a special team ace, a return specialist, a punt return specialist. This dude has evolved his game over the years to become a real deal wide receiver. Nine targets, nine catches against a touchdown. You know, DK Metcalf, he's still been talked about each and every week. I mean, he's going to continue to be talked about just because it's amazing that he uh, fell to the second round of the draft, but he's been putting up big numbers and the battle between him and Patrick Peterson on Thursday night. That was a lot of fun as well. Now, the Cardinals were kind of their own enemies in this game. It was a 16-7 halftime score. They come out of the locker room. They get the score on the opening drive of the second half. And then the Seahawks' offense is marching down the field. And the Cardinals' defense looks like it's going to make a stop. They get a, they stop Tyler Lockett on third down before the sticks. It looks like it could be even maybe a long field goal or a punt from Seattle. And Drake or Patrick is uh, he's flagged up for taunting. There's kind of a scuffle on the field. The Cardinals on the wrong end of this one. It extends that drive. That's that Carlos Hyde touchdown, and that they go back a, cu- a couple more points. Cardinals score on their second possession in the second half. They're back in. It's 23-21, and then Kyler Murray gets an atrocious grounding penalty, <laughs> and then on their own two yard line, J.R. Sweezy, the former Seahawk. Now Cardinals guard, he gets called for holding in the end zone. That's a two-point safety for the Seahawks. They go up by five at that point, or I'm sorry, at four by that point. They tack on the field goal, and then that's all she wrote. Ten penalties in this game. 
Uh, I've been watching this team all season. Obviously, you cover it for uh, Locked On Cardinals here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. They're in the tops and penalties. This is going to have to change uh, if they really want to make some noise in 2020. Yeah, you know, that's that's something that always uh, uh, stands out to me in a major way is the penalties, penalty yards, you know, how much is it? And look, you can't have double-digit uh, penalties. You just can't. And uh, that's something that the Cardinals are going to have to clean up. But uh, look, they've been able to find ways to win and, and despite all the penalties. So uh, it's just, you know, they took an L. Uh, you know, they were on a nice little streak right there. They're still a really good team. Uh, they're still going to make a nice run. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see the rest of this season. But uh, again, just a heck of a, a matchup between two NFC West foes on uh, on Thursday night and uh, the Seattle Seahawks come out on top uh, but man oh man I'm telling you th- th- those are two really really good teams in the league yeah, absolutely and so Kyler Murray took a couple shots in this game obviously not your traditional size quarterback uh, he, he a lot they were talking on the broadcast Troy Aikman wanted to make something of a, I, th- I thought he was he looked fine he kept on he winced a couple times on the on the sideline he had a decent game 269 yards through the air, two touchdowns, but bottled up on the ground. They took out that part of his game on Thursday night football. From an outsider's perspective, I feel like sometimes I get too close to this, so I want to hear your thoughts on this. Kyler Murray, as far as him running the football, and this conversation's been had about Lamar Jackson as well. Is it is it a smart move to let him run as much as he has so far this season like it was for Lamar last year? I mean, I think you got to let a horse be a horse. You know what I mean? I, I, <laughs> yeah. I can't stand it when when coaches try to take an element out of a player's game. And I get it. You want to be safe with them. You don't want them to get hurt. Uh, they always say you want to keep them in the pocket. But look, if a guy does what a guy does, let him go ahead and do it. Because that's what made you grab him to begin with. The reason why Cliff Kingsbury wanted him was because he's a dynamic quarterback that he saw at Oklahoma. He knows exactly what he can do. So you got to let him do it. I'm not saying he's going to have a 20-year career. I don't even know how long this offense is going to last, but right now it's working. Uh, right now they're looking like a really good team. Kyler Murray is, is is one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, and maybe not best. That's probably a, a, a strong word, but he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league for sure. He's fun to watch. Just let him do what he does until he can't do what he does anymore. I mean, that, that's just you got to let a horse be a horse. You got to let a you know get a thoroughbred be a thoroughbred. You just can't change a dude, and especially all of a sudden trying to scale him back when that's just not not who he is. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I Watching him, I just didn't know if it was just somebody drinking drinking the Kool-Aid too much as far as the Cardinals go. And Kyler Murray, just dynamic, absolutely can't take away his ability to get out and run. No. So elusive. Cardinals, though, dropped to 6-4 and four on the season. They're a game behind the NFC West leading Seattle Seahawks at 7-3. and three, And the Seahawks have games, three of them against some NFC East opponents and one more game on their schedule against the just ravaged the San Francisco 49ers. So kind of an easier road for Seattle as the Cardinals. They got to fly to Foxborough, take on the Patriots next week. So we'll see. It's going to be a fun division to watch, as you mentioned. Lots of talent, and let's not even let's not gloss over the Los Angeles Rams. They're in the thick of things. They're idle until Sunday. They have a chance to match the Seahawks as far as victories are concerned. For more on the NFL, listen to the Lockdown NFL podcast where you get podcasts. Coming up, we're going to crack that six-pack. We've got a full slate of six games that you have to tune into 
on Sunday. Plus, our guy Chad Millman. It's all right here. It's the Locked On NFL Podcast, your boy Q and Bo. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you about Pepsi because, as Bo said before this show began or at the beginning of the show, this football season is different. You know it's different. Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Uh, I like to watch the game where it's just me just sitting at the couch, watching TV, got my Josh Jacobs jersey sitting on the, the end of the couch, and I, I don't wear it. I just sit it at the end of the couch and let it post up. And when I do that, well, Josh Jacobs has a good game. And it's only weird if it doesn't work, and it's been working, so I'm going to keep rocking with it. Well, not only do I have my Josh Jacobs jersey, I got my Pepsi because it's the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Passionate fans, they are the real generational talent, Pepsi fuels, because Pepsi is not made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch it. Pepsi is made for football watching. And don't forget, go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. We're opening up the six-pack. We're doing it next right here on the Locked On NFL Podcast. Here we are, segment number two of Friday's Locked On NFL podcast, Bo Brock and your boy Q, and it is it is our favorite time of the show. We get to open up the, the, cold, the cold ones. We open up the six-pack, and we're going to give you our favorite games of the week, the games that we feel like are the most intriguing. And, Bo, this is probably a little tough for you because I know one of the most intriguing games for you this week was, well, that Thursday night game that didn't go the Cardinals' way, but that kind of had to be a sore one because that, that was a very intriguing game. Game. Oh yeah, absolutely. With so many, uh, so much on the line, and then I already have to go into the weekend with an L. That's that's the toughest one for me. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be dwelling on that loss from last night for the rest of the weekend and until Monday, and we can kind of turn the page and look ahead to week 12. Yeah, well, don't dwell on it too long. I understand, though. I totally <laughs> understand, and and that's the problem with Thursday night games. But, again, it was a very action-packed game. Uh, it's Cardinals and Seahawks. So uh, let's go ahead and open up the six-pack. I got three games. You got three games. I'm going to go ahead and give you the honors first. Which one is uh, Which one is one of the most intriguing games for you this weekend? I'm going to start off with the Cleveland Browns and the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's the Cleveland Browns that are trying to keep pace in a pretty cloudy AFC playoff picture. And then the Philadelphia Eagles, just by uh, being in the NFC East, they just happen to be the top team there somehow. Three, five, and one, they're the top dog in the NFC least. The Cleveland Browns at six and three, they're jockeying. They are in a tough AFC North that's, of course, led by the unbeaten beaten Pittsburgh Steelers. And Philly was a disaster. They got beat last week by the New York Giants. They can't really find any rhythm, any consistency. You're not seeing it from Philadelphia. And I got to imagine that they're going to earn their sixth loss of the season this week against the Cleveland Browns. They, with Nick Chubb in the lineup, are so potent at running the football that it doesn't matter if Baker Mayfield's turning the ball over because Kevin Stefanski won't give him that opportunity. Last week, they ran for 231 yards against the Houston Texans. Uh, they ran for 316 against the Cincinnati Bengals and then over 200 yards against the Bengals earlier this season. They're going to continue to churn that run game and try to get a lead and just churn that clock. Between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they just, uh, they're just they so potent run that football. I think that they're just built to beat up on teams like the Philadelphia Eagles who are they are going to make mistakes. 
And the Browns aren't because they're not going to be hoisting the football up as much as they used to with Baker Mayfield last season. You know, I, I love seeing the run game work. I really do. I love tech, kind of taking it back to the old school style of football. And that's what Kevin Stefanski has been doing in Cleveland so far. Uh, like you said, uh, he doesn't really give Baker Mayfield too many opportunities to get in his own way. Uh, and then when he does throw the ball, he uses the play action a lot. And that's actually when Baker Mayfield is, is at his best is during play action. But uh, between Chubb and Kareem Hunt, like you mentioned, man, those two dudes – they get after it. Uh, probably the best duo in the game right now. Uh, it's a lot of fun to watch, and Philadelphia is a mess, man. It is an absolute dumpster fire. So I think this is a game where Cleveland uh, is going to take it, and uh, they're going to keep pace in the AFC, which is a, a tough, uh, you know, conference. Just a lot of teams that are sitting at six and three right now, trying to jockey for playoff position, like you mentioned. And I just think Philadelphia takes another L, but but should be an interesting game. So we'll definitely be paying attention to that. Now, let me go ahead and open up a cold one, and I'll start with one that's got a, a team with an ugly record. How about Atlanta at New Orleans? And normally, even though it's a division game, normally I wouldn't say that this is an intriguing game, especially when Atlanta's record is 3-6 and six and the Saints are 7-2. and two. You think, well, the Saints are going to run through them, right? Well, yeah, with Drew Brees, absolutely. But Drew Brees has a couple cracked ribs. He has a collapsed lung. He's going to be out for at least a couple weeks. And so, Jameis Winston Mr. 30-30, 30 touchdowns and 30 <laughs> interceptions from a year ago in Tampa Bay. The reason why he's not in Tampa Bay is probably going to be under center. Uh, I don't think Taysom Hill's the guy. I never thought Taysom Hill would be a, a starting quarterback full-time in the NFL. So this is going to be interesting. Teddy Bridgewater, when he came in for Drew Brees last season, he went 5-0. and He was able to steady the ship and keep it going and keep uh, New Orleans in, uh, on pace of, to do what they needed to do uh, to try to get into the playoffs. Can Jameis Winston do the same thing? Has he been underneath Sean Payton's tutelage long enough to learn how to not turn the ball over and learn their offense? That's going to be the most intriguing part of the game. The other part of it is just Atlanta. Not worried about that team. I'm just interested to see what Jameis Winston is going to do uh, with, with what he's got in, until Drew Brees can get back into it. Five touchdowns and four interceptions of those 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions came against the Atlanta Falcons in the two games that Jameis played against them in 2019. He also passed for over 500 yards against them. So he has experience going against the Dirty Birds, but I got to imagine he's going to have another kind of mixed game. The Saints should win this game. They've got enough defensively. Uh, they've got that running back, number 41, Alvin Kamara. He's pretty good, I've heard. Yeah. So I think that they have enough to get this one done, at least against Atlanta. Let me uh, pick up my second game in the six-pack. And I'm really actually excited about this. I, I feel like I'm excited every week about a Tennessee <laughs> Titans game because they're playing against another tough opponent. It doesn't get any easier this week. They're on the road in Baltimore taking on Lamar Jackson and crew. And Lamar Jackson, I think he's looking to maybe silence some critics after a loss to the Patriots on a primetime stage last week. Titans, they're a team that's trying to get back, uh, you know, to where they had some early season success. And I think Baltimore and Lamar Jackson are as well. We'll see. You know, I mean, Baltimore was dealing with a couple COVID issues. They lost their starting left tackle and Ronnie Stanley. You know, who who's going to stay healthy enough? But it's going to come down to and it's come down to each and every week for the Titans, at least. You know how Ryan Tannehill goes. They go. He's got to have big games, not just like decent games, because we've seen him have decent games. But if, if he's going to be just under 200 yards passing and he's going to be held, you know, bottled up by opposing defenses, that doesn't work for him to get that dynamic pass run defense or that pass rush offense going. And uh, I think that the Ravens have enough defensively to maybe slow down Ryan Tannehill 
and get this W on Sunday. I think that Baltimore gets this win. I think they get it pretty convincingly because, again, I think Tennessee is starting to starting to really show its warts, and that's going to become a problem moving forward. But we will see. I think Lamar Jackson, uh, like you said, kind of wants to silence the critics a little bit and comes out and has a big game uh, on Sunday. Let me jump into the second game in uh, in, in my six-pack. Green Bay Packers sitting at 7-2, and two, travel to Indianapolis to see the Colts. Phillip Rivers and company sitting at 6-3, and three, and I'll tell you, I actually am surprised that the Colts are playing as well as they are. I, I thought that uh, Phillip Rivers was going to be basically the guy I saw a couple times a year last year while he was still a member of the Chargers. Uh, he has moments where he's good. He has moments where he's not so good. Even last Thursday, I thought he wasn't really that good, but he's finding ways to pick up W's, and, and honestly, that's all that really matters in the NFL. 7-2 uh, and two versus 6-3. Uh, I, I hate to go against Aaron Rodgers, so I'm not going to go against Aaron Rodgers because he's just so stinking good. You would like to see if he had a little bit more a couple more weapons what he could do but as long as he's got number 17 out there Devontae Adams uh, I think he has a really good chance of picking up W's I know this one's on the road uh, but still I, I got a roll with uh, Green Bay Aaron Rodgers uh, I just like what he does man he has so much command of the field and you know it just looks like he's never really stressing too much he's just he's just out there doing his thing looks like him and Matt LaFleur uh, regardless what anyone thought when they when LaFleur took over that job that he wasn't going to get along with uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, that seems like to be a false statement and it looks like he's really doing some good things there and uh, I like what Aaron Jones brings to the table from the backfield uh, as long as he's out there I know he's still kind of working his way back from injury but uh, anytime Aaron Jones is out there is usually a good thing for Green Bay I don't know I kind of liked because we were talking about the the win last uh, last week at this time from the Colts over the Tennessee Titans on Thursday Night Football and what uh, Philip Rivers had done and what he didn't do and yeah. how he took care of the football and I, I just like how this Colts defense is just coming together at this point in the season. I, I might be wrong with that. I, I, I just like what's going on and how things are meshing in Indy. I think I'm going to go with the Colts in this contest. <laughs> I'm going to wrap things up on my six-pack. I know you've got one huge game left in yours, but I love the Miami Dolphins. They are a team that I've actually just kind of become a fan from afar of. <laughs> Tua under center in the shotgun, but just how they're playing under head coach Brian Flores. You know, they won five in a row. They took out the Chargers last week, 29-21. They took out the Cardinals before that. They play. Uh, they played in the last two weeks in some pretty tight contest, and now they're going on the road to the Mile High City, taking on the Denver Broncos. And I think that they're going to get win number six in a row just because I don't like how Drew Locke's playing. I like right. how the Miami Dolphins defense is playing, and Tua continues to come along as a first-year signal caller who was selected 50, fifth overall out of Alabama. So basically what you're telling me is Miami is your uh, your Carolina Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I've, I've adopted the Carolina Panthers because I like what Matt Rule's doing there. And you know what? It's so funny because I think what Matt Rule's doing in Carolina is what Brian Flores was doing in Miami last year and is obviously showing what he's doing in Miami this year. So I think that they're kind of following or Rule's kind of following the same blueprint as Flores. And I got to agree with you wholeheartedly, man. Uh, what Miami's doing and, and making the move to Tua and not missing a beat since Tua's come in. Uh, they're playing some really, really good ball. Denver looks terrible. 
Drew Locke is a turnover machine. Uh, he, he just throws the ball up there and puts it in harm's way. And uh, I think Miami with Xavier and Howard and, By- and, and uh, Byron Jones out there, I think that they have the opportunity to go make some plays. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think Miami gets that victory. If no other reason, Drew Locke and Denver are just not very good teams. I got to get to my last game in the six-pack, man, and this is a big one. This is actually going to close out the, the week, at least on Sunday. Sunday night football, even though there could be some COVID-19 implications in this game, the Chiefs sitting at 8-1 and one in Las Vegas, taking on the Raiders, sitting at 6-3. and three. The Raiders gave them their only loss of the season. Apparently, there's a big to-do now that, uh, you know, John Gruden and the Raiders took a victory lap around Arrowhead, and, and the bus drivers started talking <laughs> some noise, and uh, apparently Andy Reid and the Chiefs are using that as bulletin board material. Look, that's an old-school rivalry right there. If you need a bus trip, to get uh to get fired up and get this rivalry going, uh, then something's wrong with you to begin with. This is just going to be a knockout, uh, drag out game. Very excited about it. It's in Vegas. There's no fans there, but still, uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, and look, this this could be me from the Locked On Raiders podcast side of things. I really think that the Raiders are going to make a statement. I think the Raiders are going to make a statement to the whole NFL and, uh, and and come up with a victory on Sunday. I think it's going to be a heavy dose of the run game, similar to what we were talking about with the Cleveland Browns, how they have uh, Kareem Hunt and they have uh, Nick Chubb back there, and that's a nice one-two punch. I think that uh, the Raiders, with their one-two punch, of Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker, are going to get things done on the ground. I think that you're going to see a, a, a ball possession game Sunday night. You're going to see these guys running, 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 uh, picking up close to 200 yards uh, between the two of them and, and and the Raiders are going to come away with the victory and improve to seven and three overall and and hand the Chiefs the second loss of the season and send them back to Kansas City with, with some questions to, to wonder what in the world is going on and and how come the Raiders all of a sudden have our numbers so uh, very excited about this Sunday night game what's your thoughts on it the last time they matched up it was Derek Carr in his arm 347 yep. in the air three touchdowns took care of the football and then the last couple of weeks it's it's He's, he threw for 111 yards, 165 yards, 155 yards. They're not putting the ball up that often. They're just kind of relying on that run game. As you mentioned, it's just going to be a different contest than it was in the first one. But then there's the guy on the other side of the field. <laughs> it's funny. Like when we talk about in the first segment, Kyler Murray, we talk about Russell Wilson. It's like they're, they're not. You want to have a conversation about MVPs and, and throw them in there. That's cute. Patrick Mahomes is taking care of the football, 25 touchdowns, one interception. His team's 8-1. and one. I'm sure if, if there is anything that can fuel this guy, after all he's accomplished already, I, I got to take the Chiefs in this game, kind of a revenge game, because anytime you can kind of give them a little extra fuel on the fire, they'll take it, and that's scary. It is. It really is. And I, I think this is going to be a great game regardless, but uh, just something about it. And I felt this way ever since Monday. Uh, I just think that they're going to make a huge statement. And like I said, that could be the Locked On Raiders podcast in me just talking. But either way you look at it, uh, I'm excited about this matchup on Sunday night. And I'm sure Chad Millman's going to agree with me 100%. <laughs> Let's ask him about it. Let's see, because it's a, it's a touchdown plus spread as far as the Chiefs favored in this game. Let's ask him about it. Let's continue that rivalry and renew it in the next segment here on the Lockdown NFL Podcast. Chad Millman, he'll look at the Chiefs-Raiders game. I think I know which direction he's going, Q. (laughs) Plus some other games from the Week 11 action headed your way. The Lockdown NFL Podcast. It's the Locked On NFL Podcast Fridays. Your boy Q, myself, Bo Brock. Give us a follow on Twitter at Bob Brock. Easiest way to follow me at your boy Q254 to follow Q. Our next guest, follow him at Chad Millman. Chad Millman from the Favorites Podcast, The Action Network. 
hit the podcast, hit his Twitter site, or at least his Twitter account for all the week 11 NFL action, which Chad, you're calling gamesmanship week. Is that what I understand? It's gamesmanship week. I, uh, you know, sometimes you got to zig when everyone else is zagging. And um, sometimes you got to play chess when everyone else is playing jacks. And uh, there's all these favorites out there that people are going to love. And I choose the most disgusting games you can possibly think of to bet on this weekend. That's how I roll. Yeah, and I'm looking. I'm just looking at the schedule, and I think a couple of these ones are popping up, and I think I know what direction you're going. And a team that lost me some money last weekend was the Philadelphia Eagles. They're on the road in Cleveland, take on the Browns, who look like they're going to get back to running the football. How do you handicap this game? Well, you close your eyes and you throw a dart. Um, I'm kidding. I, I think that I don't think the Browns are that good of a team, and I think what I saw against the Texans sort of confirmed that for me. The Texans have a terrible, terrible defense. And the Browns were not able to move the ball in any significant way against the the Texans um, until Nick Chubb ran for 98 yards at the end of the game and then ran out of bounds, costing everybody who had the Browns <laughs> uh, minus three and a half, you know, a cover. But uh, – and, and the Eagles to me, like – to me, they are still just a team that is a couple weeks away from being healthy and eventually running away with that division. Uh, and at this point, what you're getting is like an overvalued Browns team and an undervalued Eagles team. So you kind of got to close your eyes and take the right side where you're getting a little bit of value. I know most of the wise guys have this game rated at about two and a half. So you're getting you're getting a full field goal here, so you kind of got to take it. I want to ask you about a couple six and three teams. The Titans, who were cooking with grease early on in the season, then all of a sudden look like they're kind of lost their ways a little bit at Baltimore, who, well, Lamar Jackson's talked about defenses are, are calling out the plays. It's not been as dynamic as what we're used to seeing from the, the reigning NFL MVP. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, who would you take in this game? This is a uh, this is a really tricky one. I like the Ravens in this game. Um, I don't think the Titans. I think the Titans. You mentioned like they were really cooking with gas early in the year. I don't know that they were. I feel like they got lucky in some key spots, and that luck sort of regressed back to the mean. And the defensive backfield, which was kind of a mess, continues to be a mess, and they're not getting pressure on the football uh, on the quarterback. I mean. And for the Ravens, they had a bad spot against the Pats uh, in bad weather. And while Lamar Jackson hasn't been playing well, like at the end of the day, this is a much, much better defense. And Ryan Tannehill, against a defense like this, he has not been performing at the way you would expect him to. I thought what happened against the Colts last week was, was pretty tragic for them. Like that was a game they really should have dominated that game and run away with it. And all of a sudden – towards the end of that game, it was going in the opposite direction. And uh, to me, that was an indication of who the Titans really are right now. Whereas the Ravens, I feel like they're more talented on both sides of the ball and they're going to be in a smash spot. Chad Millman, The Favorites is the podcast, giving you all the insight as far as your NFL Week 11 action goes. Bo Brock, your boy Q, it's the Locked On NFL podcast. And here's a game that might need some 
as far as to put some more eyes on it, because I think as far as the finals concerned, we can only assume that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to remain undefeated against the Jacksonville Jaguars team. Now, the last time the Steelers were a double-digit favorite, that was against the Dallas Cowboys, and it was a little bit tougher than I think a lot of people imagined. Uh, do you see anything, maybe the Jags pulling a Cowboys and keeping this one tight and Big Ben and crew having to rally back to keep their un- their record unscathed? I really like the Jags in this spot. The Steelers just, they are not a team that rallies when they play bad teams. They are a team that rallies when they play really good teams. And Mike Tomlin is the kind of coach that gets his team <clears throat> emotionally fired up. And it's not just sort of, that's not a superficial response. That's just the fact. If you look at his record against the spread in spots like this, it's significantly worse than when they are going on the road as an underdog playing in positions where they're not supposed to be doing anything. So um, I'm going to back the Jaguars here. I don't love the spot. Uh, I think that 10 is just too much. Most of the wise guys I know have this rated closer to nine. You're getting a point of value at, on a key number. So um, I think you got to go with the Jags. Chad, you know I got to do it, man. I got to ask you about your favorite team or maybe your least favorite team, but uh, the Raiders and Chiefs, the Raiders are dealing with a lot of COVID issues. The Chiefs have their own COVID issues. It's prime time. The Raiders won the first game in Kansas City. This one is in Las Vegas, so uh, maybe get a little bit of love because it's in Las Vegas. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Which, which way are you going here? Let me tell you something, Q, and I don't do this. I don't do this on purpose, right? But I will tell you that this week, the games I am on include these trash teams. The Eagles, the Texans, the Jags, the Washington football team. The one game in which I am taking a outright favorite at a relatively decent-sized number is the Chiefs over the Raiders. It's because of me. <laughs> Because of me. Honestly, it's a little personal. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Um, but no, really, it's just like, I, I think that first game was the best you're going to get out of the Raiders. And I honestly feel like the Chiefs have just found a better rhythm. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid coming off of a bye. A guy who's thrown 25 touchdowns in one interception. It just, it's just too good of a spot not to bet the Chiefs. Fair enough. One day you'll come to the dark side, Chad. <laughs> one day. <laughs> All right. One more, one more game. I need you to spruce this one up. I mean, at the beginning of the season when the schedule came out, or I guess schedule comes out in April, but we we knew that it was going to be a face-off between one versus two from your NFL draft. It's Joey Burrow versus uh, Chase Young of the Washington football team, but these teams – kind of going nowhere record-wise. How do we spruce it up betting-wise? Which You mentioned Washington football. You like them. Why do you like them over the Bengals? So I like them because I like them, number one, because of Chase Young and that defensive line. I think they've been consistently good all year. And um, you saw a little bit of of that against the Lions, like when it mattered and they came back, they consistently stopped the Lions. They pressured the hell out of Matthew Stafford. Um, And so that's number one. Number two, it looked a little bit like Joe Burrow hit some kind of wall last week. And I think you couple that with just sort of the consistent offensive line issues the Bengals have. They are terrible on the offensive line. Um, Joe Mixon coming back, he was a little bit banged up. But also – I'm a believer in Alex Smith. He's a professional quarterback. 
And, and, you know, you tend to forget this was a guy who was leading the Niners to a Super Bowl season when he was injured. He had three Pro Bowl seasons with the Chiefs before he was replaced by Patrick Mahomes. He was winning with Washington before he was injured. Like, the guy knows how to play quarterback. And he's been gone for two years, but he came back this past week through 55 passes. And he's just going to consistently be someone who's putting the team in a better spot than uh, anybody else on that roster. And certainly with a defense that can help contain the offense on the other side, I'm going to take Washington at a small number. There you have it. The Washington football team, the Chiefs, the Jaguars, Texans, and Eagles. When you win some money, make sure to thank them on Twitter, at Chad Millman, and tune in to the podcast, The Favorites, The Action Network. Chad, let's make some money this weekend. I appreciate you, fellas. Take care. I don't know, Bo. I'm telling you, man. I think there's still hope for Chad. I know he doesn't sound like he's coming over to the dark side anytime soon. I don't think he's really uh, going to come over and just publicly say he's a Raider fan. But I think deep down inside, there's there's a little bit of it might be a love hate relationship, almost like a you know like a, a a man and his baby mama type relationship. But I think there's something there, man. At some point, he might not admit it, but at some point, he's going to respect the silver and black, and that's all that matters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's going to wrap things up for us on this edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast. Your boy Q, Bo Brock, hanging out with you. We'll be back with you next Friday after another big Thursday night matchup. In the meantime, enjoy the games this weekend. Tune in to Peter Bukowski on Monday. He'll have a full rundown and recap of this weekend's game. For Q, I'm Bo. We'll talk to you guys soon.